What do we have in common with the Amish? Find out next Oh, Junk Fuse. Yeah, welcome to Junk Food, the podcast about junk food, where we rate and review mystery treats to determine which one will be the undisputed champion of snacks. I'm your host, Mike. Alongside me, as always, Alyssa. Hey, Dad. Hey, Liz. So, what do sea monsters eat? What do sea monsters eat? I mean, whatever they want, I would imagine. I don't know. No. <laughs> no. No? Okay. Fish and ships. Fish and ships. Oh, clever. Yes, yes. Like fish and chips, but fish and ships. Yes. That's tough to say. Fish I know, and fish ships. and ships. You have to be very deliberate about fish that. Fish and ships. Thank you, yes. And we are very deliberate about saying each and every week that that was a dad joke, a joke you tell to your dad. If you'd like to submit a dad joke for Alyssa to tell me on the show, you can send it in to us via X or Threads or Blue Sky Social at Pod or via email to junkfeudpod at gmail.com. Liz. Yeah. Welcome back once again to the world's yeetest podcast. The yeetest show on earth, very mid, giving them the ick, super bus, and hitting them with the riz each and every week. That's right, and Alyssa, today is the thrilling conclusion to January, the finale of our month-long celebration of the snackiest city on earth, the city of brotherly gluttony, Philadelphia. Yes. Liz, have you enjoyed this January? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had some pretty good snacks. Goldenberg's peanut chews are still sticking out to me, Liz. Yeah. They were a pleasant surprise. They were. Wawa stuffed soft pretzels, not so much, huh? No. No, pretty gross. Uh, Liz. What? Speaking of Philadelphia, have you ever heard of a thing called the narcissism of minor differences? Um, no. No. Have you ever heard of a guy named Sigmund Freud? No. No, okay. Well, Sigmund Freud uh, developed the concept of the narcissism of minor difference. He was the father of psychoanalysis. Isn't a- narcissism bad? Narcissism is bad, generally speaking, yes. So we're going to talk a little bit about why the narcissism of minor difference is bad as well. Uh, But to do that, we have to understand first where Sigmund Freud was coming from. Liz, he was a total weirdo. I think it's safe to say that. Well, I would assume so. Yeah, you've seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, right? Yes. Yeah, you love that movie, don't you? Yeah. Sigmund Freud was the frumpy old guy in the three-piece suit with the glasses and the beard who ate the hot dog on a stick in the mall. Do you remember? No. When uh, Genghis Khan was taking over the sporting goods store and Joan of Arc was doing the uh, aerobics class, Beethoven was playing the keyboard, all that was going on, and uh, Freud was just having a hot dog on a stick? Nope. No. Well, anyway, that was Sigmund Freud. I mean, that's exclusively how I think of him as well. Anyway, the narcissism of minor difference, Alyssa, is the idea that uh, the more tim- uh, the more similar two groups are, the more likely it is that they're going to come to conflict over the small differences between them. Yeah, so what do you think might uh, be some examples of this? Like high school sport rivalries? Yeah, like high school sports rivalries. I remember once when I was a kid, I wore a sweater that was the color of one of our rival high schools, and I almost got beat up in the hallway over the color of my sweater because I didn't pay attention to what I put on that morning. But yeah, like uh, two towns that happen to be right next to each other, share a border, absolutely despise each other, even though they're made up of mostly the same people doing the same things, right? That's Like us and <laughs> sure like like uh your the the local high school football rivals for example yeah or like fighting with your in-laws for example or uh, even something as complex as the lack of peace in the middle east if you were an alien lack of peace in middle east yeah that almost rhymes doesn't it yeah if you were an extraterrestrial Alyssa, an alien 
ALF or ET, for example, and you came down to Earth and you were looking at it from far away as you come in and, uh, you know, people from North and South Jersey tried to tell you an alien, oh, we're, we're completely different. You'd be like, no, you, you're right there. What is different about you? You're the same people, right? That's, that's the narcissism of minor difference. But to the people that live there on the ground in those small communities, those differences are very real and very concrete. Like when I was a kid growing up in South Jersey, for example, people from North Jersey were weird and different. Isn't that where we live? Well, yeah, that's where we live now. So uh, it's true. We are weird and different. Liz, here's the thing. Correction. You are weird and different. Well, I mean, I can embrace that. With all that, love sure. and respect. Yeah, all due respect, and then you say something completely disrespectful. That's like saying no offense, but. Yeah, the audacity, Alyssa. Remember mom. <laughs> Your mom. That was so funny. She was like, and then the little boy on the plane had the audacity <laughs> to stop licking the seat. Well, yeah, I mean, that was pretty gross. The kid on the plane was licking <laughs> the armrest and the seat back. It was absolutely it was disgusting. so funny how she said she's the audacity. I, oh, she was totally grossed out. I would have been too. Liz, here's the thing. Uh, we're talking about the narcissism of minor differences. There is nowhere possibly in the world that that's more apparent than in Philadelphia and with no topic that brings that out more than food, of course. A hoagie is a hoagie, not a sub. You yelled at me for calling it that the other day, right? Yeah. And a hoagie has oil on it, never mayonnaise, correct? Yeah. That's right. And a cheesesteak, Alyssa, has fried onions on it, not raw onions. Yeah. And despite what a chain restaurant menu might tell you, a Philly cheesesteak does not have peppers and or mushrooms on it. Yes. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we said it last week on this very show, Alyssa, a Philadelphia soft pretzel is shaped like what? A paperclip. A paperclip. That's right. Not actually like a pretzel. And Alyssa, root beer is not the best regional tree-flavored soda, is it? No. No, it's actually, well... Uh, hey. What? That reminds me of this week's snack. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Up next on Junk Feud, it's birch beer. That's right, birch beer. Lissa, what is birch beer? It's a beverage made from the bark or sap of a sweet birch tree. That's it. Okay, bye. Thank you. Good night. That's our show, ladies and gentlemen. Hosta no. lasagna. Hey, <laughs> I almost said the next thing because it's like ingrained into my memory. It's a... Uh, just a pure reaction at this point. Liz, you'll notice that I didn't say that birch beer is a soda or a soft drink. You remember what the difference was between soft drinks and hard drinks, right? We talked about that on the Sprite show. Uh, definitely. Yeah, uh, definitely. That's right. Well, here's the thing. Originally, birch beer was exactly what it says in the name. It was a type of beer. Earlier, my brother, when my dad said, Liz, do you want birch beer? He goes, no, dad, Lissa can't have beer. Oh, yeah. He was very upset. He thought you were having a drink. <laughs> Gross. Uh, alcohol is poison, Alyssa. That may also be true, but nevertheless. Uh, a birch beer, Alyssa, was a short beer, to be exact. It's a slightly fermented alcoholic beverage containing like 2 to 3% alcohol. That's a short beer. So you could drink a lot of them, I guess, and uh, back then when you wanted to. In colonial times, Alyssa, birch beer was something that poor people would make at home if they couldn't afford the imported beers that were coming from overseas. So how was it like to make birch beer every day? Oh, <laughs> I didn't know where you were going with that at first. And then, uh, yeah, wow. Rude. The audacity, as your mom might say. <laughs> so Liz, here's the thing. In the northeastern part of the United States, in particular, it was very easy to make birch beer because there is the uh, prevalence here of a, a tree called the Betula Lenta. Do you know what Betula that is? Betula Lenta. Well, Lenta 
Lento, lento means slow. Really? In Spanish. Oh, okay, sure. Shout out to- I just had my test and I passed. Spanish class. Good job. Congratulations. That's excellent work. Guess what I got on it? A passing grade, I assume. Guess what grade it was. Uh, 96. A little lower. Oh, what? What do you mean? What do I, 96 is a low A for me. What? Anyway, in my opinion. Girl. Stop. <laughs> Stop. Well, if it, was a, if it was lower than 96, I don't want you to tell the public what it was. <laughs> 92. All right. Well, I guess that's not terrible. Exactly. Liz, uh, the Petula lenta tree is also known as the black birch or the yellow birch or the sweet birch or the spice birch spice. or even- yeah, even the, the cherry, cherry birch. birch. That's right. It has a lot of different names, Liz. Uh, and this is a type of tree that grows along the East Coast from Canada all the way down to Georgia and then into the Appalachian territories up in the Northeast. And what would happen is that uh, people would take the tree bark. It kind of peels off in these big sheets. It's very silvery looking. And you would boil that tree bark until it would release its essential oils or you would tap the trees just like you would tap a maple to make maple syrup. And you could boil away that sap. And then reduce that down to a syrup and mix it with sugar and, in this case, a small amount of yeast and then leave it out for a few days to, to ferment and cool. And uh, this, Alyssa, was the process for making birch beer that was laid out in famed agriculturist John Mortimer's 1707 book called The Whole Art of Husbandry. I feel like birch beer and root beer taste like super similar. Similar, that's right. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Liz, uh, The Whole Art of Husbandry, your mom probably thinks I should read that book. And uh, John Mortimer said, if you boil a gallon of sap with a pound of sugar, then let it cool and add yeast, you would create quite a tasty beverage. And of course, as I mentioned, he said this in 1707. Alyssa, what else was going on in 1707? In 1707, England and Scotland unified as the Kingdom of Great Britain, uh -huh. which was like kind of a big deal, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And the deposed sixth Dalai Lama, Dalai Lama, Alyssa. Dalai Lama, uh -huh. <laughs> tried to claim that it that his son was the reincarnation of the fifth Dalai Lama uh -huh. to have him installed as the seventh Dalai Lama, uh -huh. but he was not recognized, uh -huh. and the seventh. Dalai Lama uh -huh. wasn't installed officially until three years later, and it was a completely different person at that point. Yeah, yeah, and. Mount Fuji erupted in Japan. Listen, when I was a kid, I used to watch a show called Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling on network television on the weekends. And it was like a, a very hyper stylized women's wrestling, almost in the style of a sitcom. And one of the wrestlers was named Mountain Fiji because uh, she was sort of like a sumo wrestler, but she was from the Fijian Islands. Tefiti. Sort of, yeah. Where was I? The first toll roads opened in England as Turnpike Trust. Uh-huh. That sounds like a Fortnite name. Turnpike Trusts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What are some of those other uh, alliterative Like Fortnite Ruined names? Reels. Yes. Oh, um. Loot Lake. Fencing Fields. Fencing Fields, aha. Uh -huh. Classy Courts. Classy Courts. That's the one that you like. Turnpike Trusts sounds like a 2010s indie band, <laughs> like Fleet Foxes or something like that. Turnpike Trust. Charles Wesley was born. Uh huh. He wrote "Hark the Herald Angels Sing" the uh, Hark Christmas Carol. The Herald Angels Sing. I like that song now because it's at the end of "It's a Wonderful Life," which I adore. And uh -huh. John Dalrymple. <laughs> Try that again. Dalrymple. Dalrymple. <laughs> That's a good one, right? We're adding that. John Dalrymple, the first Earl of Stair, died. He was a Scottish lawyer, Alyssa. Rip. 
He was actually involved in the uh, unification of England and Scotland. Quisp. If you can believe it. No. All right, so Liz, uh, we were talking about birch beer. People were making it on their own in the 1700s, but in the very late 1800s, we started to see commercial production beginning. And this started, as far as I can tell, right here in New Jersey with the Boylan Bottling Company, which claims that in 1891, there was this guy named William, William Boylan, obviously. William Boylan. And he was an apothecary in Patterson, New Jersey. Alyssa. Oh my goodness, you know when your feet get these like weird muscle cramps and they hurt so bad? Okay. That's what I have right now. What does that have to do with an apothecary? <laughs> it just like, it just, uh. Do you, know, do you know what an apothecary is as you massage your foot cramp? <laughs> what? Well, it was a person that would make medicines or elixirs. So I guess an well, apothecary- that's right, could give you an elixir for your foot. And that's exactly what William Boyle was doing in Patterson. He was mixing elixirs and he stumbled upon a recipe for what he started calling- A recipe? A recipe. I wonder what a recipe would- Oh, that would be like a good cookbook. WWE superstars present oh, recipes. I knew you were going to say that. Uh-huh. Black-eyed peas would be a great one for that, <laughs> I think. And in our recipe, would we have some green beans? Green beans? Oh, because I said that on the show that one time and you wrote it down on, on your- <laughs> Google Doc. Yeah. On our dumb things we say. So uh, so he, he created what he called Boylan's Birch. And this was just a serum that was made from birch trees that he was selling out of little cups from the back of his wagon. And this is uh, one of the first times, at least I'm aware of, that commercial birch beer was sold. And uh, list, this was in an era when the temperance movement was in full swing. We're going to talk about that more when we do a show on cornflakes and then uh, one on graham crackers. It's completely wild. Um, in that time, Alyssa, elixirs and health drinks were all the rage. Dad, you know what I think we should do on the show? What's that, bud? Like, so you know how we have our reigning defending champion? Correct. I think on every show, we should do a side-by-side -side comparison. Like, bring the Wendy's Frosted and Fries back every show. Oh, you know what? That was the original concept. I wanted to do that, but it became a little bit too logistically difficult. And, and also because imagine how many times we'd have to buy a Frosty and Fry. Oh, I know. Well, hey, guess what I had last night? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> It's the reigning defending undisputed and champion of snacks. And you didn't even help me have some? You were somewhere else. Uh, I took the boy to Wendy's after Taekwondo class. He did really well, so he deserved a treat. And so did I for sitting through that. You see Terry's dad? I did. Shout out to Master <laughs> John. Liz, what? Uh, later in the 1920s, prohibition entered into force. Do you know what prohibition is? Prohibition? Prohibition? Uh -huh. Well, it's... Uh, got some similar letters, yeah, but it's something different. Prohibition, to prohibit something means to not allow it. And prohibition was when alcohol was outlawed in the United States, Alyssa. Oh, no. Yeah, that's right. Prohibition. Uh, so what was going on was all those small breweries that had popped up that had been making beer and alcoholic drinks, some of them pivoted and started making uh, non-alcoholic drinks. They had repurposed some of their equipment to make things like root beers and also birch beers. And this happened in places like Kutztown, Pennsylvania, which were close by railroads. So they had logistics distribution Ooh, say that again. Logistics distribution nodes nearby them as a result. Here's the thing, though, Liz, and this has always bothered me until I actually looked into it because I never thought about it. Well, those two things are contradictory. I never thought about it until I did, and then it bothered me, and then I looked into it. Liz, what flavor is birch beer? It's, well... Just off the top of your head, what do you think? When you think of a birch beer, what flavors? Beer. Well, it tastes like root beer, sure. What flavor is root beer? Like dirt. Dirt. <laughs> okay, so it's earthy like, then. Like sweet dirt. Sweet dirt. You know what? That's what uh, your mom tells me that she thinks that beets taste like dirt smells. That's how I feel with a lot of things. That they smell and taste like dirt? 
No, like smell and taste like other things. Like, oh, well, sure. If yeah. it something smells like how it tastes. Yeah, that's right. Well, Alyssa, remember we said on the Coca-Cola show that the flavor profile of Coca-Cola was something unexpected. It was vanilla and cinnamon and citrus, which you don't think about when you think about Coca-Cola. I've not had a Coca-Cola since the last episode. Wow, really? Yeah. Good for you. I mean, we have some outside. No, I could go for a Dr. Pepper. You've been on a Dr. Pepper kick lately, haven't you? I've been on a Dr. Pepper kick. We just never get it. Liz, we're going to have to bring this up with our friends, the Family Fizz Finder podcast. Have you heard of this one? We listen to it in the car. Yeah, shout out to Ryan and Clara and and Lucy and Calvin. We Uh, listen to it in the car. Well, we did. I mean, that's the way you say words. We should get another milkshake. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's focus here. Back to birch beer. Alyssa, birch beer is, you said it already, it's earthy. It's a little bit spicy. It's I would aromatic. say it's aromatic, sure, herbaceous or herbal a little bit, fresh and crisp, but not in the crisp? sense. Yeah, but here's the thing though. We said Sprite was crisp. Birch beer is not crisp in the way that Sprite is crisp. It's not a citrus crispness. Uh, it's woodsy, I would say, creamy even. It's a little bit brighter on the palate. Uh, Alyssa, the predominant flavor in birch beer is wintergreen. I love wintergreen. Yeah, me too, but that's a spicy, sort of smooth, minty flavor. And here's the thing. In birch beer, it's characterized by a naturally occurring flavor compound called methyl salicylate, and that is actually found in the tree bark of the birch tree, which is where that flavor comes from. Wow. Yeah, so here's the thing. You said the most obvious comparison is root beer, right? Yeah. Now, serious birch beer drinkers, back to the narcissism of minor differences, would scoff at that comparison, Alyssa. Uh, the folks from Boylan, who, uh, if you recall, was making the birch beer serum, Boylan Birch, uh, they like to call birch beer root beer's big brother that has some extra bite. And I think that's a pretty good description. It's a bit more assertive. It's a little bit more forward. It's less sweet, almost, even though these are just, you know, fizzy sugar waters at the end of the day. But it still has that really nice, smooth vanilla finish that the best root beers and colas have, so it's quite nice. Root beer, I think, is a little bit more cloying, a little bit more sweet, not I as complex. I wanted to have um, a root beer float today. Oh, that would be a good choice. And then I couldn't find any vanilla ice cream. Yeah, I don't think we have any. You know what you could have had? What? I think it would be interesting to try a root beer float with mint chocolate chip ice cream since they're both minty flavors. You know what I want to try? What's that? A root beer float with vanilla mochi. Oh, that would be very interesting. I th- Wouldn't the mochi get all gummy on the outside? Well, yeah, but still. I guess in that Either way it would way, be kind of like... the ice cream. Yeah, it would be kind of like boba, I guess. It'll probably pop anyway, like get a hole in it and then it'll spill out the ice cream. Yeah, that would be interesting. Liz, what? what are your thoughts on birch trees in general? Um, I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't know what they are. Well, they're trees. Uh, you would notice one if you saw them. I like them. They're sort of silvery looking. Remember our friends uh, Jess and Mark who had the restaurant Silver Birch? That's, nope. Yeah, those are birch trees. You've never seen one? I feel like I've seen one in Maine. Well, Liz, you well, yeah, almost certainly. You know that video game that I play called The Long Dark? When you and Max were kids, you used to call it the wolf game because there's wolves in it. <gasps> I know why I see these. Yeah, shout I've out to seen Max, these by the way. On the way to um, Six Flags in that big forest. Yeah, that's right. There are great birch forests. And uh, in that game that I play, there are big birch forests and you can forage through them and uh, you can brew tea with the birch bark. It's a very cozy thing. Liz, did you know there are different types of birch beers? 
Really? Yeah, well, sort of. So they're mostly distinguished by color, most of which is artificial, actually. Uh, The most popular birch beers, the ones that you might find around where we live in the Northeast or around the Philadelphia area, are sort of like a reddish brown, like a fiery root beer or a cola. I feel like whenever we get pizza, instead of root beer, you always get birch beer. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, All of these reddish brown birch beers are colored, obviously, with food coloring because Alyssa pure birch sap is clear. You're right. Yeah, that. Well, yes, of course I'm right. <laughs> you see right there where I wrote those words down? That means I'm right. Liz, uh, you can get clear white birch beer. That's gross. Well, that sounds weird. I don't know. Hold on to that thought for a moment. Now, it's mostly only available in Connecticut and uh, Rhode Island, but um, maybe if you, have a, if you have a hookup, you can get some here. If you have a hookup. That's right. The red birch beers, Alyssa. Like Tony from Jesse. I know a guy. I know a guy. That's the uh, unofficial state motto of New Jersey. I know a guy. Alyssa, red birch beers usually have a little bit more vanilla. Those are more popular in the New Jersey area. And then here's the thing. There is a blue variety of birch beer, Alyssa, like electric blue soda that you can pretty much only get in Pennsylvania. I could not find any of that locally. Dad, do you want to know the word of the day that I learned today? Absolutely. Counterban. Or counterband. How about contraband? Contraband. Uh huh. Why did you learn that word today? Because it was in outer. It was in the show Outer Banks. Oh, of course, Outer Banks. Which I heard, but I only processed it today when I saw when I heard it. Well, shout out to John B. Bring it home, John B. No, no, the people on the ship with John B. Uh huh. The fugitives. Liz. Oh, fugitives. Yeah. Do you think the fugitives would like birch beer, or is that a little too homely for them? I don't know either. Liz, we have established that birch beer is a regional thing, that there are different types in different regions. Uh, But of course, this is January. So you know that we're talking about Philadelphia specifically and Pennsylvania and the surrounding areas generally. But why, Alyssa, is birch beer so specific to that area? Do you know why? Um, no, but I bet you're going to tell me. Well, of course. We saw that birch beers grow in the Northeast. But if you look at a heat map of the greatest concentration of birch forests, along the eastern seaboard, they they sort of branch out into Pennsylvania and into the Lehigh Valley. And uh, a lot of it is in a place, that's where Alyssa, my lives. in the Lehigh Valley. Yeah. Interesting. That's a, that's a bit of a hike to get here, huh? Yeah, absolutely. Alyssa, the greatest concentration is in a, a region that's known colloquially as Pennsylvania Dutch country, Alyssa. Do you know what Pennsylvania Dutch country is? No. Do you think it is actually Dutch? No. No, and it's not. That's true. Uh, it's the area that's generally situated around Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It's basically where these early uh, Palatine refugees settled in the 1600s and 1700s. And then later what happened was some German-speaking Europeans came and settled in the region, and they came to be called Pennsylvania Dutch. And the old wives' tale we were told when we were kids was that Dutch, the word, was a perversion of the word Deutsch, which meant German. And it's That's close, but it's a little bit more complicated than that. It was more likely an evolution of the native name that the people there called them, which was Deutschlanders, which is sort of like uh, Deutschlanders, like people that speak German from Europe, but also uh, the word Deutsch, which meant um, people from the land, like native people. Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Well, they just said these are the people that live here now that speak German, and so it became Pennsylvania Dutch country or Pennsylvania Dutch country, although they're not Dutch at all. Yeah. Right. Uh, Liz, this is also the area where the Amish and the Mennonites settled. The Mennonites. That's right. The Mennonites like and the Amish. 
It does sound like that. That's right. Uh, I am doing the history here a grave injustice because um, it is very fascinating. Uh, there's We could do an entire show on just Amish and Mennonite uh, culture and junk foods. Um, Liz, Pennsylvania Dutch country is also the area where my dad's family is from. Really? Yeah. Coincidentally, we were talking about Uncle Bud and his silver train on the last show. They were uh, settling in Reading, Pennsylvania, Liz. Yep. Do you know about any of the Pennsylvania Dutch treats? Nope. Liz. Well, you did see some recently. We were at the Reading Terminal Market. You saw the Byler's Donut Stand. Remember that donut place that had the big long line wrapped all the way around? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Byler's Donuts is an Amish institution. That's right. And uh, of course, the Pennsylvania Dutch have a rich history and thus a rich culinary culture as well. Lots of that is takes on classic German dishes, sauerbraten, lots of types of soups, usually with these big fat egg noodles in them. You know, like the noodles that mom puts in uh, the chicken noodle soup that she makes? Uh-huh. Those are egg noodles. A hot bacon dressing, Lissa. Pennsylvania Dutch. Oh. Yeah, my dad said, uh, your grandfather, my, my dad said that his mom, my grandma, used to make hot bacon dressing. Hot bacon dressing. That's right. Lebanon bologna, Alyssa. <laughs> yeah, that's right, which you love. Sort of like a, for those that have never had Lebanon bologna from Lebanon, Pennsylvania, it's it's sort of like a sweet salami. Like a, It's a giant summer sausage, essentially, that's sliced very, very thinly like lunch meat. You love that. Hard sourdough pretzels. Scrapple, of course, which is going to be its own show. Scrapple. Scrapple, yeah. Scr- what's scrapple? Uh, <laughs> should I tell you or not? You know what? Let's leave that for the scrapple show. How's that? No, no I don't know what it is. Yeah. Liz, do you know what? Have you ever heard of shoe fly pie? Oh, you're making the scrapple. Uh- <laughs> <right now. laughs> you just Googled scrapple. Well, we're going to have we that have on the show. We have to do that? Oh, yeah. 100%. Grandpa loves Scrapple, by the way. I don't know if I would say loves, but he will eat Scrapple. <laughs> you can't do a show about Philadelphia and not eat Scrapple, Alyssa. Maybe we can just leave that one out. You know what we might do? We might save that for a, a couple of Januarys hence when you get a little bit older and your palate uh, gets a little bit more mature. <laughs> And I'll throw up like I was did with the ranch. <laughs> Ugh. The ranch ice cream, that's right. Liz, I was mentioning that's shoe still fly. sitting in our... God, you have to get rid of it. It's not. I threw it out already. Oh, thank goodness. I was mentioning shoe fly pie, Alyssa. Do you know what shoe fly pie is? Um, Molasses pie with a crumb topping. Yeah, we're going to do a whole show on that one too, another local delicacy. Liz, I got to say, I have some fond memories of Pennsylvania Dutch country from my youth. Do you want to hear some of them? Sure. Well, we used to have family reunions at a place called Zins Park. At Zins Park, there was uh, miniature golf, of course, naturally. There was also this thing list called Water Balloon Wars. Have you ever heard of this? Well, I'm assuming it's a water balloon war. Yeah, it was really neat, though. You stood in these little cages that were across from each other. And on top of the cages, there was like a wooden roof with holes cut in it. And then there was a big slingshot. You know those water balloon slingshots? The cage had a water balloon slingshot attached to it. And you'd go and you'd buy a bucket of water balloons. And the two teams would stand across from each other. And they would fling water balloons back and forth at each other and try to hit the cage so the water balloon bursts. And you get all covered in, in water, obviously. That sounds fun. It was really fun. I was. I think we probably ignored all of our distant relatives and just played water balloon wars all day. We also would play uh, pinball and arcade games because there was a little arcade shack just off of the miniature golf course. They had a Jurassic Park pinball machine-less. This reminds me of the boardwalk. Well, yeah, but it was, uh, if you imagine a place like um, like the park where we go sledding, for example, it was more like that. It was like an outdoor nature park, but then it had you know, fun stuff just sort of dotted around it. Why do people call it a boardwalk? Because you walk on boards. I would call it a boardwalk because it's like, like you walk there when you're bored. (laughs) (laughs) 
Like, it's not wrong. <laughs> no, that's true. It's spelled differently, but yeah, 100%. Good insight there, Liz. Uh, Liz, I remember going to a place called the Bird and Hand Family Restaurant and Smorgasbord when I was little. Do you know what I had to eat there? Ham, corn, and milk when I was a small child. Ham, corn, and milk. Uh, and it's like a prison meal. It does. And it probably looked like that too. And then I, when I was, whatever year that was, I was probably like four or five. I asked for that as my <laughs> birthday dinner that year. I said, I will like ham, corn, and milk. I would like. Uh-huh. That's right. And I remember Ed's Buggy Rides. Ed's Buggy Rides. If you go to like any hotel in Pennsylvania Dutch country, there will be a brochure for Ed's Buggy Rides. Good old Ed and his buggies. Wow. Yeah. Liz, do you know what else I think about when I think about that area? What? Well, obviously birch beer, but then, uh, yeah, so. Ah, Blaze's Pizza. I've not had that forever. Well, I do think about pizza, but not because Pennsylvania Dutch country has any particular heritage of having good pizza. But no, it's because the birch beer that I grew up drinking, because my parents grew up drinking it and probably their parents grew up drinking it, was called Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer. And it comes in these bright yellow cans with a little red sign on it. And uh, that's the kind that was on tap or in cans or in bottles at like every local pizza place in that area. So every time I want to have pizza, I want the big red plastic pebbled tumbler, like the big Pizza Hut cups, and I want it full of crushed ice, and I want an ice-cold birch beer in there. That's right. I bought some just so we could recreate that experience at home, and uh, I don't have it often, obviously. I don't. We don't drink a lot of soda, uh, but you better believe if I'm somewhere and there is birch beer on tap in the soda fountain or in the chill chest, I'm going to grab one of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Alyssa, it's not just pizza places in the Delaware Valley that have birch beer on tap. There are lots of other places that are either pizza places or hot dog places, Liz. This was uh, new information for me. Like Florida. Well, yeah. I mean, there are some places in Florida. That's right. Liz, we talked about Connecticut having white birch beer earlier. If you are at Frank Pepe's in New Haven, Connecticut, the most popular of the uh, Abit's restaurants, that's you know a particular style of New Haven pizza, you are probably going to get Fox on Park white birch beer on tap. That's what they sell there. That's right. And if you're in Rutt's Hut here in New Jersey in Clifton, which is sort of like a crazy hot dog place with this neon green relish and they put the hot dogs in the deep fryer until they, they burst, they're called rippers. Uh, they have a local red variety of birch beer. Gino's Steaks in Philadelphia itself, shout out to Gino and Andre, has Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer on tap, obviously. Uh, and the country's, uh, that is in fact the country's most popular variety of birch beer I found out list, the one that I grew up drinking. Wow. Yeah. Also, that's the same one that I get when I go down to Long Beach Island and get a big slice of pizza down by- uh, I've never been down the there. You've never been there? Well, you, you definitely have because I've taken you there when you were a kid. Uh, not but not recently. Me. Probably not that you remember. How about this, list? Do you remember Mr. Grant takes you and Ella, shout out to Mr. Grant and Ella, to Hot Dog Johnny's? Where's that? Uh, it's actually not too far from here. Well, Hot Dog Johnny's has buttermilk on tap to drink, which is kind of crazy, but they also have birch beer on tap. They're like- buttermilk? It's buttermilk. What? It's uh, an acidic byproduct of milk. It's something that we make pancakes with. It's not Buttermilk <laughs> Falls. That's a waterfall <laughs> in a state park. It's, it is- Milk with butter? No, it's a dairy product, Alyssa. Oh, that just makes my stomach hurt. Yeah, it's not something that you generally see people drinking- out of hand <laughs> right now. It used to be much more prevalent. But yeah, Liz, Hot Dog Johnny's has a birch beer on tap that's so special they won't actually tell anybody what kind it is. You just have to go there and get some. Oh my goodness, I know where that is now. Yeah. It's like... Down the road a piece. 
Yeah, and it has those swing sets. Yes, that's right. Oh. Yeah, shout out to Hot Dog Johnny. We would always take Dean there after soccer games. That's right. Shout, shout out, out to Dean. It's his birthday. Shout out to Dean. Happy birthday, Dean. I mean, not when this drops, but yeah. yeah. Happy birthday, Dean. Liz, birch beer is so sacred in this part of the country that uh, when a place called Grotto Pizza in Delaware earlier last year in 2023 announced that they were no longer going to be serving Fanta brand birch beer on tap, which is a variety that they had served for decades. Uh, This was because Coca-Cola had discontinued that product line. It just apparently wasn't making enough money for them. Uh, It engendered, Alyssa, no less than seven different local news reports, uh, four when they stopped serving it in early 2023, and then three more when they brought birch beer back to the restaurant from a different producer that October. And Liz, that's my favorite weird thing about birch beer this year. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, now, Alyssa, it's time for my favorite part of this show. Alyssa reads the ingredients. Alyssa reads the ingredients. Alyssa, what's in Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer? Water, high fructose corn syrup, caramel color, salt, natural and artificial flavor, gum acacia, uh-huh. and red 40. Yeah, that's right. It's fizzy sugar water with- uh, <laughs> Hashtag 40. <laughs> Number 40. We had to make an Instagram post. Like for our school, like a fake one. Uh huh. And it was about like we had to choose a president. Really? And I chose Thomas Jefferson and it was like, just sign the Declaration of Independence. That is too long for a hashtag, Alyssa. No, it's not because it's still hashtag. Hey, by the way, uh, shout out to you for doing a social media post for school. One more than you've ever done for uh, this show. No, I did one. I did one (laughs) for the show. You did one? One. Well, hey, you want to try some birch beer? Yeah. All right, let's get to the rules of the game. Junk Feud is a culinary clash to see which treat will be crowned the undisputed champion of snacks. It's a King of the Mountain-style battle in which the reigning champ takes on a new challenger each week to see which snack reigns supreme. And Alyssa... Yeah? The reigning defending undisputed champion of snacks is... The Wendy's Frosty and Fries. That's right, the Wendy's Frosty and Fries. Uh, Wawa stuffed pretzels kind of sucked, Liz. Kind of. Yeah. Um, your Uncle Matt likes to talk about how baseball statistics are context-dependent. Yeah, like the RBI, the run batted in, doesn't measure anything of significance for the batter, just measures how lucky he was in having people uh, ahead of him getting on base. Anyway, Liz, a Wawa Wait, stuff. what does RBI mean? Runs batted in when you knock in a run. When there's somebody on base and you hit the ball and they score. But you're still safe. Well, you don't have to be safe. Oh, I get those all the time. <laughs> you get out and run score? Well, not usually. Well, correction. Uh-huh. Usually I get out. There you go. Except for, oh, remember that one time I hit it like so far? Yeah, I do. Sure. Yeah. Is that exciting? Yeah. You know what was not exciting? What? Wawa stuffed pretzels. <laughs> they were a context-dependent snack for me. There is a certain situation in which I might have one, but uh, for the most part, that's a no. For me, dog. That's right. But I'm excited about today. I think there's a good chance that uh, birch beer has what it takes. And today we are trying birch beer. We have the default Delaware Valley brand, Pennsylvania Dutch. The default. Birch beer. That's right. It's just the kind you get, Liz. It's the most popular one. The OGs. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I will go ahead and open the cooler up here where we're keeping it on ice. Alyssa. Yes. Wait a minute. What's that? Oh, oh, oh my goodness. The music. It's all. All right. That's a bit much. Liz, here's your Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer. But that was a run in. In fact, we have. Thanks. Two separate varieties, Liz. Oh, this looks like real beer. It does. It's a big glass bottle of Appalachian white, white birch beer. I did find some craft brewed white birch beer and then also some mass produced Stewart's 
birch beer. I love Stewart's birch beer. In the glass bottle with cane sugar. Now, Liz, I don't think I've ever had Stewart's birch beer. I have oh, had- Really? Yeah, very- You've bought it before. Well, very often I get Stewart's root beer. In fact, when I was a kid, we uh, I'm old enough, Alyssa, that we had a charge account at the local grocery, and I could walk into the downtown, wander into the grocery, pick up whatever we needed for dinner that day, and say, charge it to the account, and then we settled at the end of the month, just like we were in Bedford Falls in uh, It's a Wonderful Life. You're so old. Well, occasionally, when grandma would ask me to go and, and do the daily shop, uh, I would grab a Stewart's root beer from the chiller on the way out and drink it on the way home. So oh. fond memories of Stewart's root beer, but I've never had their birch beer, so I'm excited to try that. So Alyssa. Yeah. That means it's crunch time. Crunch time. We rate our snacks using a tier list from sprinkles to funded. Sprinkles to funded. So snacks can be graded A, B, C, D, or F with the very best treats earning the elusive S tier ranking. The following contest is scheduled for one serving. One serving. And it's for the undisputed championship of... Junk food. Junk food, thank you. Uh, Liz, what do you think about the... Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer can. Um, it's yellow. It's like ketchup and mustard kind of vibes. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it is. I never thought about that. It is uh, a yellow can with red printing. I'm always scared that like cans are gonna like blow up on me now. Oh, I think you're okay. It says all uh, my friends have lost my trust with cans. Well, yeah, I guess. Liz, on this can, you'll notice it says Gen genuine original recipe. There's the Pennsylvania Dutch sign that is in the uh, old English style print. It looks actually like the like sign medieval on- medieval times. Yeah, kind of like medieval times or Pinocchio's village house at Disney yes. World. Yes. That's right. There are two little birds on the top of the insignia there. The insignia is a heart. You know what that Alyssa. reminded me of the two little birds? What's that? The three little birds, like the three little birds. Oh, the Bob Marley Bob. song. Yeah, well, uh, sure. Window or doorstep, whichever. Uh, this says it's made from an old Pennsylvania Dutch recipe, Alyssa. Old-fashioned taste, old-fashioned goodness. You want to try the Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer right now? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. See how cute they are. They're adorable. Are you ready? Yeah. Ready? It's a good fizzle and sizzle there. Liz, it's unfortunate because the uh, noise reduction algorithm that I use on this is probably going to filter that out. So let the record state that these fizzed and sizzled really nicely into the Set microphone. the record straight. None of it is true. Have you ever met the woman? Never met the woman. Liz, what, what does this smell like to you? It smells like nothing because I can't smell anything right now. Oh, you're congested. That's right. Well, I can smell this for you and I can say that it does smell like root beer. It has that winter greeny minty smell but more harsh, but in a good way. A little bit spicier, a little bit sharper. To, I was trying to smell my root beer earlier and I couldn't smell it. And it makes me so sad because I love the smell of root oh, beer. Oh, so that's good because you had a root beer earlier today. So you can provide a point of comparison be between birch beer and root beer. Anyway, let's try this out. I get the winter green right away. Absolutely. This is very earthy. It's a little herbal. It is completely effervescent. Like the bubbles really carry the mintiness across your palate, which is weird because- until I found out that birch beer and root beer were technically mint sodas, I never would have thought of them as mint sodas. They are just, you know, sweet, brown, creamy stuff, right? There is a there is a decent vanilla finish on this. It's so good, and it makes me want to have a slice of pizza right now. Yeah. Oh, the bubbles are like... Yeah, these are really, really bubbly, which I like a lot. They're so cold. It's super cold. I made sure to chill them very, very well. Liz, we have a little bullet here on our scoring rubric that says price next to it. Now, typically we don't talk about the price of a snack unless it's something outrageous. 
like incredibly like that expensive. Gummy pickle. That stupid gummy pickle. That's right. Uh, or something that's like super cheap and we feel like we get a good bargain on. Soda pop, Alyssa. Soft drinks, fizzy beverages are so expensive right now. It's absolutely absurd. A 12 pack of birch beer retails for $9.49. That is highway robbery. Last year they were like $5 for a 12 pack. Yeah, it's criminal. I have to wait for them to go on sale and then look for coupons like an old lady to try to (laughs) buy these. Like the old man you are. That's right. Can I do it? Anyway, what what are your initial thoughts on Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer? It's so good. It is so good. And it's having... Birch beer instead of root beer because of its hyper-regionalism feels like, I don't know, it feels like a cheat code, Alyssa, like a secret club that we're part of. Yeah. Like we know a little bit better than the root beer people, although I am a root beer person because I love root beer, but uh, I don't know. I might like birch beer more. All right. Which one do you want to try next? Do you want to try Stewart's so that we can compare or the white birch beer? You want to try the white birch beer next? Okay. So you're going to pop the top off there. Nope. 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 (laughs) Nope. Yep. Uh, uh-huh. Hold it higher up. Stable, stable. And flip. Very good. So this is uh, not a twist off, which is exciting for a soda. It makes me feel like it's, uh, you know, a little bit more fancy. Oh, it's smoking. Yeah, we're getting a little bit of vapor coming off the top here. So this is the Appalachian White Birch Beer Craft oh, Brewed. smell this. The label on the bottle is in the silvery white birch color scheme, which I like. It is stylized to look like a birch beer barrel. It says it's brewed with a delightful blend of honey, which is fascinating. So this has got, let's see, filtered and carbonated water, pure cane sugar, natural birch beer extracts, honey, citric acid powder. So it might be a little tart and sodium benzoate. So there's some interesting uh, ingredients in this one. Liz. Did you Wait, try it there's out? There's no vanilla. doesn't say vanilla, but it, it says, what does it say? Well, it says natural birch beer extracts. But it doesn't say natural and artificial flavors. So unless the birch extract is uh, naturally vanilla-y. Wow, it does smell strongly of vanilla. But I'm guessing that's just the the sweetness of the honey maybe coming through. Oh, you made a face. Was that a good face or a bad face? You said you don't like it. So the novelty of this one is that it is it is clear as opposed to the traditional reddish brown color. Yeah, I don't like this one. Oh, wow. I don't like it either. Um, I like the noise it makes. Yeah, there's a good bottle glug to it when you drink. It's not, if I didn't already think that I know what birch beer is supposed to taste like, I would say that this is good, but it's, let me see again. Yeah, I I don't like the addition of the honey. I can definitely taste it. There's sort of like a weird artificiality right up front, which is odd because there doesn't seem to be anything artificial in this, especially when you contrast it with the, the ingredients list from Pennsylvania Dutch birch beer. There is that sort of weird uncanny valley for sodas when they have cane sugar that makes them taste and feel a little bit odd as compo- uh, as compared to the high fructose corn syrup sodas. Wouldn't you say, Liz? Yeah. Okay, so we're not we're not like super high on uh, Appalachian white birch beer. Hmm, yeah. Odd. I just want to do one more glug. That was pretty good. I do remember, Liz, when I was a kid, there was a white root beer that came in plastic bottles that we got like at the junkie pizza place in town where they sold the Panzerottis. Oh, I And that one was super- I still didn't get my Panzerotti. Super syrupy and sweet. Now we're trying the, f- uh, what did Stewart. I say? Stewart's? I almost said Foster's. Definitely not Foster's. Yeah, I can't smell this So Stewart's is a clear bottle. It has the traditional Stewart's emblem right on the front, but instead of the so orange- dark. Yeah, instead it is definitely dark. So the- It's- The Stewart's is brown, like cola brown. Pennsylvania Dutch is red. 
And uh, Appalachian white obviously is clear. This one has a good glug too. Yeah, good glug from the glass bottle from Stewart's. It doesn't smell like anything in particular. Doesn't taste like really much. Yeah, you know, we might be getting into a little bit of palate fatigue here from having three different birch beers right in a row. Maybe Cleanse let's, uh, the palate. You know, let's do a little palate cleanser and try it again. I did like my first sip of Stewart's birch beer though. <laughs> yeah, so let's try it again. It says made with cane sugar, cold brewed draft, naturally and artificially flavored. Oh, I can taste it now. It tastes a lot better. There's a little, uh, a little clip art of a mug on here, a frosty mug, which I like. This, this is good. It's very smooth. It's got sort of that vanilla smoothness that- I spilled. You did spill. That Stewart's Root Beer has, but then the strong, bitey kind of uh, birch beer finish to it. I like this. Me too. I'm going to try the Pennsylvania Dutch one more time side by side. The white birch beer's out. He's just, oh. he's just out. Oh, yeah. Pennsylvania Dutch, much more assertive. Stronger, right? Yeah, so let's, let's hit the bliss point. What do you think? We tried three different birch beers. I actually really liked it. Yeah. Overall, we love birch beer as a concept, as a thing. It's uh, context dependent for me because if I'm having pizza or a cheesesteak, for example, or a hot dog, birch beer is the thing to have. On its own, it is lights out. So good. What do you think, Liz? What are your scores? Where do you rank birch beers? Um, well, the, let's just get the white one out of the way first. Uh-huh. That's like a D. A D, wow. Okay. The honey just did not work with it. Yeah, I didn't think it did either. It's an interesting concept, but uh, yeah, C minus for me. As far as execution goes on a birch beer, on a soda in general, below average. And then I'll do Stewart's next. That uh-huh. was actually pretty good. I'll give it an A. Yeah, I agree. That's what I was going to say. A flat for Stewart's uh, birch beer. Very good. <sighs> Hold on. And then for the Pennsylvania Dutch, I'll also give it a Two A flats. Wow. Excellent. List. I like them for different reasons. Like the, the Pennsylvania Dutch one, I like it because it's more br- like a bigger taste yeah sure but the the stewart's one i like better because it's not as big of a taste oh interesting like they do it completely different different approaches that's right listen that's really good analysis i might surprise you a little bit here and some of this is playing on nostalgia and context for me but pennsylvania dutch birch beer for me is an s tier i know you're not that high on it but man if i can't think of a better thing to have in january than a birch beer from Pennsylvania Dutch country outside of Philadelphia. So Liz, we've got uh, a decision to make here. What do you think? Wendy's Frosty and Fries or birch beer? No. There are no wrong answers. I don't know though. I'm actually kind of torn. Yeah, it's a challenge, isn't it? For you, I feel like I know what you're going to say. Well, don't don't stand on circumstance. Uh, <laughs> that's, not, that's not a phrase. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, I was going to say, Liz, don't don't be worried about what you think I'm going to say. Make your independent judgment on your own. These look like poker chips. The bottle caps, sure. Yeah, you're stacking them right now while you're delaying making a decision. Uh, I actually, I want you to go first. You want me to go first? Yeah. Okay, this is the challenge of only having two of us here to make these choices because if there was a third, there's an obvious tiebreaker, but it doesn't work like that when there's a two-man booth, for example, so we've got to work these things out on our own and come to some consensus. Liz, I think that Pennsylvania Dutch Birch Beer is, for me, the new champ. I think it unseats the Frosty and Fries. Now, the Frosty and Fries has a few things going for it. The Frosty by itself is immaculate. French fries by themselves are incredible. The synergy of both of those things together is unbelievable. Sweet and salty, cool and creamy, meaning hot and crispy. I'm making the case for you in favor of the Frosty and Fries, I think, but also, Alyssa, the birch beer, the yellow can, 
the crisp punch of that assertive, almost medicinal, earthy herbaceousness, the wintergreen cooling mint with the smooth vanilla finish, the contrast with a hot, cheesy pizza slice on a beautiful sunny day. That's what's doing it for me. And the the yellow can with the red logo just puts it over the top. So that's why I think that I like birch beer more than the Wendy's Frosty and Fries today on this day right now. But there's a strong case either way. See, for me, both of them are super good. Like yeah. They're so good. And the Wendy's Frosty and Fries, it has a lot going for it, like you said. But I don't have the nostalgia. Mm, that's true. You're not old enough to have any nostalgia yet. Except with my bar beetles. <laughs> and so... I'm just going to go with birch beer because it was really good today. It was really good today, wasn't it? Yeah. So does that mean, Alyssa? Yes. Your winner and new reigning, defending, undisputed champion of snacks, birch beer. Wow. That's going to be fun to say. It is going to be fun. Birch beer. It's like Hulk Hogan, strong alliterative names. Which We did. We drank exactly the same amount out of the Stewart's bottle. How about that? Liz. What? I'm excited. New champion. And what better way to go into the next segment on the strength, on the high of a the new champion. Oreo rule. Then Eliza, yeah, the Oreo rule. And as prophesied, we have the first new Oreo of the year, the black and white cookie Oreo. It's vanilla cream and chocolate cream sandwiched between two golden Oreo wafers. Liz, what can you tell me about these since uh, you already opened the package and snuck one the other day? We were supposed I to have- two, actually. Oh my gosh, you snuck two. Oh, you pulled they're pretty the, uh, good. You pulled the the old college trick. You said they're pretty good. So here we have them. Did golden you say I did? I didn't open the thing. Yeah, I know. You you <laughs> tried to pull the trick that we talked about in the uh, Double Stuff episode. No, the Chips Ahoy episode, excuse me. So I've pulled these apart, Liz. The cream in the middle. The cream in the middle looks like a black and white cookie. It's a deeply, darkly colored chocolate cream overlaid with a vanilla cream that... Hang on a sec. Oh, wow. Okay, so Liz. What? The standard traditional Oreo white cream is not vanilla flavored. It's just sugar. This one has a vanilla flavor. Try it by itself. It's got a little bit of that smooth, sweet vanilla, almost similar to the cream cheese icing from the red velvet ones. And then, I can't tell if this is just me, but try each flavor. I think Oreo's kind of cheating us a bit. Mm, they, I can tell the difference between them. I cannot. I feel like they taste the same. Yeah, I just had I just had the chocolate and it is a deep cocoa chocolate. Like almost similar, not as not as creamy or smooth as the uh, what was that one we had? Black Forest cake, maybe. Yeah, this is a more oh, this is a more Oreos. gritty. The golden Oreos are buttery, they're crispy. These are lovely. Now, a black and white cookie, which we're going to do an episode on, is more like a cake than a cookie, and the icing on top is more like a fondant than it is an Oreo cream. But I think they did a good job of capturing the spirit of the black and white cookie here, even if not the letter. Yeah, altogether, it's very good. You're naturally limited by the constraints of the Oreo form factor with something like this, like a black and white cookie that's so different in texture and flavor from an Oreo. But I think they did a really good job in uh, approximating it here. Well done. Yeah. What would you say for a score? B plus. Wow. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. B plus. Well done, Oreo. I like these. I'm going to take them away from you so that you don't eat all of them right now. Yeah, I would say seek these out if you uh, if you have any interest whatsoever. And I have some interest, Alyssa, right now in asking a very important question. Can you deep fry this week's snack? Will it deep fry? In theory, yeah. Yeah, of course. We've talked about deep fried Coca-Cola already, which is, uh, if, as you recall, a reduced soda syrup that's turned into a fried batter. And then just the other day, my mom, say it. 
Yeah, mom. Thank you. Uh, Grandma, she sent me a link to deep fried Pepsi, which is the same thing. Uh, and there's also, we're going to talk about this on another show, obviously, deep fried root beer float, Alyssa, which is the fried soda concept, but with ice cream on top. Birch beer, I think a little bit too niche for these uh, types of popular applications, but I think now, Alyssa, in January, it's been three weeks in a row where we have discovered that a Philly food has not yet been, but could be deep fried. Really? Yeah. So perhaps that'll be our uh, next very specific show when we end this one. Uh, Mike and Alyssa deep fry Philadelphia foods. I want to try deep fried Coke now. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about that. I think uh, on our annual Coca-Cola episode one year, we're going to have to try that. We do an annual Coca-Cola episode? Yeah. Remember in the Coke episode? We said there was just too much history and richness to the Coca-Cola brand to do one episode. Yeah. We've still got to do like Diet Coke and Vanilla Coke and Cherry Coke and all that stuff. Vanilla Coke. Yeah, shout out to Vanilla Coke. And Liz. What? Here's another thing I'm excited for. The back of the box. It's time to check out the back of the box, a weekly segment <laughs> where we play a little game. Are you ready to play a game? Yes. Alyssa, it's a new segment this week. Yeah, I'm excited for oh, it. Three dollar thrill, y'all. That's right. It's three dollar thrill, y'all. Alyssa, on three dollar thrill, y'all, we try three snacks from the dollar store, and we determine which two Fred Durst from Limp Biscuit would call counterfeit, and which one he would have faith in. How do you like that? Good. You don't know anything about Limp Biscuit, so that nope. means nothing to you. I was <laughs> Well, it is also a song called Faith, but not that one. Liz, today we've got three snacks from our local dollar store. And uh, I tried to, Alyssa, plan the courses here of our tasting menu like it's a meal to go with the uh, absolute surplus of birch beer that we've got sitting in front of us. So tonight on $3 Thrill, y'all, we've got an appetizer, a main course, and a dessert. Are you ready to try them out right now? Uh, Sure. Alyssa, for the appetizer, we have from the dollar store. TGI Friday's Potato Skins Style Snack Crisps Cheddar and Bacon. Now, I've had these before, and I love them, but I haven't had the TGI Friday's version. I had, Alyssa, when I was younger, the Tato Skins version of these, and they had a jingle, as I open the bag here, that they played in the commercial, which was like, Tato Skins got baked potato appeal to made from potatoes and skins that are real, because they were... Potato chips that were made from the potato skins, Alyssa. I have some PTSD from cheddar-flavored chips. Uh-oh. And it's scary. Well, these are cheddar and bacon style. If you look at them, they look like a potato skins appetizer like you might get at TGI Fridays, which is the hollowed, scooped-out potato skin that has... TGI Fridays is a chain restaurant where they staple a bunch of crap on the walls and they serve you uh, food that is uh, like mostly... Like Just Fridays or TGI Fridays? TGI Fridays. Uh, mostly microwave, I think, and uh, overtly sweet. So what do you think? Oh, I kind of like this. It's uh, it's thicker than a normal potato chip. It's in a different form factor, a slightly different shape. It's concave a little bit, which is neat. Oh, here's one that's curled up. So there's a little bit of an airiness to these, even though they're thicker and more sub substantial. So they sort of melt in your mouth a little bit. The only thing I'm not liking is the cheese. The cheddar and bacon flavor is dusted on heavily. I generally don't like artificial bacon flavored things because it's usually just like some dehydrated liquid smoke that's dusted onto the potato skins in this case. And you don't like the cheddar, which I don't know, might actually be real cheese. I can't tell here. Let's see. There are, uh, yeah, there's, there's real cheese in this, in cheese powder. So that's at least a positive. It's got riboflavin too, which we love. Oh, I also have PTSD from the popcorn spread cheese. 
popcorn like spread those shakers cheese? and they have a popcorn with some eyes on it oh the cheese flavored powder that you dust on top yes. of popcorn and it has like the ranch flavor yeah well Ugh. i feel like that one's your own fault <laughs> I, I i like these lists these are not bad i think they're fine you think they're fine well, Alyssa, uh, with that said, let's move on to the entree. And this is one that I'm particularly excited about. You're joking. Because <laughs> I've always wanted to try this because they look absolutely insane. This is the Tijuana Mama Pickled Sausage. This is what you grabbed as an entree. <laughs> it's a meat product, Alyssa. <gasps> this is, it looks like a hot dog. It is just a hot dog individually wrapped in like a Slim Jim wrapper. It is pink-ish, like a muted pink, like a mauve almost. Uh, Do you want us to get food poisoning? Um, perhaps. This is made by ConAgra Brands. An untrusted company. From the No, ConAgra is a huge conglomerate. From the makers of Penrose. So I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, made with chicken and pork. Artificially colored. Yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, there is a, uh, a young Mexican lady in a sombrero holding a giant sausage on the wrapper. It says it's 400% hotter than the Big Mama sausage. So Liz, are you ready to try What's the tea? Big Mama sausage. Well, it's just another one of these, but it's a mild flavor. This one's a spicy one. So, are you ready to try the Tijuana Mama pickled sausage? You don't have a choice. Here it comes. All right, let's open it up. And well, it smells awful. Take a whiff of that. <laughs> I don't even know what I don't even know what it smells like because it doesn't smell like a sausage. Wait, it's pickled. It smells like Lowe's hardware store. <laughs> it's. Yeah, it's got sort of that acidic, uh, pickly flavor scent to it, but not like dill. Just like oh, it makes just, my nose just hurt. vinegar. Yeah, it's giving me a little nose tingle here. Anyway, I'm gonna take a bite out of this, and uh, well, you'll be next. Here we go. No, I want the first. Oh, so uh, you took a bite of just the corner, not like a big nosh of it. Oh, it is. It's very spicy. Oh, oh, wow! Look at you going right for the water. List this has the. Oh, it doesn't taste. Oh my gosh. You don't like it, you would say. You want me to try it. I just want to make note here. I'm looking at the inside of the sausage and I don't like what I'm seeing. The texture looks like Play-Doh. Like it looks like you've bitten off a piece from a fresh can. It's not even like snappy or anything you get out of a hot dog. It's just like soft. Oh. <laughs> it's See the spice? It is spicy. I think they missed a feather. <laughs> it's just a giant fat globule right in the middle there. The texture is extremely off-putting. Ugh. I would rather eat these. It's soft and smooth like a pate. This is just a forced meat slurry formed into a hot dog shape with the aid of a plastic container. It's it's not good. It is uh it's spicy but not complexly spicy. It's just like a plain straight up like black pepper cayenne kind of spice. Um very bad. That said, if I had a dollar and that was all I had, I could be convinced to eat Maybe one of these if I was in dire straits. I'm going to have to wash that down with some birch beer. Good grief. If I was in prison. Oh, yeah. This is 100% prison food for sure. Actually, this probably does not have the required nutritional content for prison. Well, this with oh, that yeah, said- Yeah, does it have to have like a lot of protein? Well, this does have 10 grams so of I protein. So can like work out all Which is surprisingly, surprisingly a lot. With that said, Alyssa, let's move on to the dessert course. Now, when we ate- Goldenberg's peanut chews. We talked about Payday and Snickers and other peanut-based candy bars. I neglected, Alyssa, to discuss the salted nut roll, which we have here. <sighs> that sounds funny. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that is why I bought all this stuff. Uh, the Tijuana Mama and the salted nut roll, because those are silly words. 
This is the cinnamon churro flavored Alyssa Pearson's salted nut roll. It says peanut packed. Cinnamon roasted peanuts give this nut roll a churro twist. Did you check the label? I did. The only allergens are peanuts, milk, and soy. And it's gluten-free. Hooray. So anyway, let's uh, pop open the Pearson's salted nut roll cinnamon churro and see what it... (laughs) Oh, good lord. Well, it looks like something a dog left behind. It smells... It looks like a turd. That's It looks like Cooper's tail. (laughs) Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. So it looks like a payday bar. But it's dusted with cinnamon sugar. Smell it. It's very, very... Not getting any. Well, it smells strongly of cinnamon. But like, I don't know. It's a weird cinnamon. It's not the warm, earthy cinnamon that you might get like with a traditional cinnamon sugar that you make yourself. And it's not the hot cinnamon like in a hot tamale or a big red piece of gum. Instead, it's like, it's like almost like candle cinnamon. There looks to be a nougat center. I think that's what that is. Nougat center. It kind of tastes like you're making styrofoam a with peanuts. Yeah, it looks like a uh, it looks like a payday bar, like just a bunch of peanuts smushed around a, a soft, chewy center of some sort. But in this case, with cinnamon sugar on it, it's not very good. I don't even know what to say about this. This is a misfire. I think you picked like the worst things you could have. Well, I did on purpose because that's it's funnier that way for the show. But yeah, this is just so strange. Such a misfire. The cinnamon sugar flavor. Would work well with the, you know what the center is like in this one, Les? Sorry, gross. I dropped a peanut on you. Uh, The center of this is like the coconut in the Irish potatoes from last year. That's sort of what that texture is. Now, I don't think it's coconut. Irish potato, what is that from? It's not coconut. We did them on the St. Patrick's Day episode. I don't know. I'm going to try one more bite because it's just the peanuts and cinnamon don't work terribly well together oh yeah i get it now wait wait these right yeah that's right right i'm not loving it i don't know it's bad so what do you think Liz? out of the three snacks that we have from the dollar store for three dollar thrill y'all which two would you say are counterfeit and which one do you have faith in it should be easy the wiener and the nuts are crust crust <laughs> they've got no faith yeah the cinnamon and the sure. chips have faith Cinnamon churro nut roll, Tijuana mama sausage, get on out of here, freaking me out, counterfeit. <laughs> uh, but for the TGI Friday's potato skins, style snack crisps, cheddar and bacon, naturally and artificially flavored. What I gotta have faith. You? That's right. I like it. This is a good segment. Alyssa. What? This was a good show. And uh, this podcast should reach you in excellent condition. Satisfaction guaranteed or your money back. If you've got a question for us, you can write to the address on the label. That's junkfoodpod at gmail.com. Any final thoughts today? No. We got a lot of stuff on this table here. We got to clean up. But Alyssa. You're taking the wiener. I don't want it. It's going in the trash. I hate to waste things, but in this case, it's justified. Uh, this podcast has contained your recommended daily allowance of fun. Fun. For more, go to X, Instagram, Threads, Blue Sky, or wherever you choose to be social and find us at Junk Feud Pod. You can watch fun-sized reviews on YouTube, buy our merch on Public. Don't forget to catch all the snacks in each and every week wherever you listen to podcasts. Until we see you again, for Alyssa, I'm Mike. Hasta la Don't get any on you. Bye.